And Jesus wept. Death is not something that was in God's original plan for mankind. Death came about as a consequence of sin, that original sin that we hear about in the book of Genesis. And we don't have time to get into all of that, but it's critical that we always remember that suffering and death are consequences of humanity's turn away from God and towards itself. But even at the beginning, God had a plan to redeem us. In Genesis 3.15, we encounter what is called the Proto-Evangelium, the first good news. When God says to that serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, he will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. If there were any doubt that God had put himself into solidarity with humanity, he then sent his son to become one of us. And this divine son, God incarnate, wept at the earthly death of his friend. Death makes God weep. Even though Jesus knew that he soon would be raising Lazarus. Even though Jesus knew that death on earth is not an end, but a beginning. Even though he knew all of this, Jesus wept. And then he became perturbed, the gospel says. That is, he became stern-faced and resolute. And he commanded Lazarus to come out. In doing so, he showed his absolute lordship over life and death. In the gospel today, Jesus shows us that while we may perish on this earth, death is no match for him. But here's the problem. If Jesus, that is God, has absolute sovereignty over life and death, if he hates sin and suffering and death even more than we do because he truly and fully understands them much more so than us, if even such a temporary death as Lazarus's makes him weep, then why does he permit it to happen? Jesus brings us the answer today. In verse 4 of the gospel, there's 45 verses in today's gospel, but in verse 4, we heard Jesus say, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then a little bit later, without having been informed by anyone, Jesus tells the apostles, this is in verse 14, Lazarus has died. Jesus continues, And I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. To rephrase it a little bit, to put it together, God allows Lazarus to die so that many may come to faith because of the mighty deeds 
that were about to be wrought by the hands of Jesus. All of this makes me think about the reflection Pope Francis gave us on Friday during that extraordinary moment of prayer and the special Urbi et Orbi blessing. Usually those are only done at Christmas and Easter, but because of what's going on in the world, he gave us an extra one. If you did not see it, if you haven't had a chance to read that homily, it is excellent. Go to Vatican.va and change it to English because it starts out in Italian, then go find it. It's on March 27th. Or VaticanNews.va. They both have it on there. Read it. Reflect on it. The Holy Father, reflecting on the calming of the storm in Mark's Gospel, said, We see how the apostles call on Jesus. Teacher, do you not care if we perish? Do you not care? They think that Jesus is not interested in them, does not care about them. One of the things that hurts us and our families most is when we hear it is said is, do you not care about me? It is a phrase that wounds and unleashes storms in our hearts. It would have shaken Jesus too. But he more than anyone cares about us. Indeed, once they have called on him, he saves his disciples from the, their discouragement. Don't worry, that's not the end of what the Pope had to say. But when I'm listening to this, the question comes up, how does Jesus care for us when inside it's easy to feel much more like Lazarus, dead? Because whether we want to admit it or not, something inside each of us has been killed. And many people have been killed by this pestilence, this plague, this virus. The Pope later on continues that this plague exposes our vulnerability and uncovers those false and superfluous certainties around which we have constructed our daily schedules, our projects, our habits, and priorities. It shows us how we have allowed to become dull and feeble, the very things that nourish, sustain, and strengthen our lives and our communities. So the Pope is saying that this plague then has been a call from God for us to wake up and remember our glory as human beings. That God emptied himself and became one of us to save us, to save us even from death itself to save us not only from physical death, but from the far more deadly, the far more insidious spiritual death. And so the Pope, showing us this, showing us how God is calling us to glorify him, continues a bit later. The Lord asks us, and in the midst of our tempest, invites us to reawaken and put into practice that solidarity and hope capable of giving strength, support, and meaning to these hours when everything seems to be floundering. The Lord awakens so as to reawaken and revive our Easter faith. We have an anchor. By his cross we have been saved. We have a rudder. 
By his cross, we have been redeemed. We have a hope. By his cross, we have been healed and embraced so that nothing and no one can separate us from his redeeming love. Accepting this is no easy task on our part. Because accepting this good news, this truth, requires faith and trust in God. We must believe and be confident in the knowledge that God has done this and will continue to save us from sin and suffering and death. In fact, this saving action, this challenge of faith, is what Ezekiel confronts in our first reading today. To set the scene, in Ezekiel, the Israelites have been exiled from their lands into Babylon. They are cut off from their temple and their temple worship of the Most High God. The entire book of Ezekiel is built around one single message for these people, that God will never abandon his beloved children. If you go and read the first chapter of Ezekiel, I will admit it sounds a little trippy, but what Ezekiel is struggling to communicate is this vision of God that has at its core one truth, the throne of God that everybody believed only could be in the temple moves. God goes everywhere and anywhere that he desires to be. That has not changed in the 2,618 years since the Babylonian captivity, and it never will. As we stay at home, as we are separated from our parishes, as we are unable to fully participate in worship, we face the same tragic questions as those captives in Babylon did all those years ago. How can I offer fitting worship to God? How can I truly celebrate the Lord's day, the Sabbath? How can I do all, any of these things when I'm separated from my brothers and my sisters in Christ? The reading from Ezekiel today tells the Israelites that God intends to open up their graves and to rise them up out of them. And just as God did that for the Israelites, he will continue to lift us up from sorrow and he will breathe new life into us even now during this time, this challenge of separation. And God does not stop there. Because if you read Ezekiel, he tells the Israelites, I will bring you home. He never told them that the temple was not the most fitting place for their worship. Because it was. It was the most fitting place to glorify God prior to the fulfillment of the old covenant and the establishment of the new covenant during that Easter event. 
the most fitting place we can now offer worship to God is when we are assembled as a community and participate in that Easter event every Sunday, every Mass, when it is made present again during the Holy Sacrifice. God has never taught us otherwise. But as the Israelites learned all those years ago, and as we're being forced to remember now, God will not allow himself to be sequestered or confined to that hour of church that we spend on Sunday. Because God lives within our hearts every moment of every day. And he desires to be with us and involved in every aspect of our lives. Through this pestilential plague, perhaps God is calling us to glorify him by putting our Easter faith back at the center of our lives. The psalmist today cries out, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. And that with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. Let us remember that God's Spirit lives within us. Let us ask the Lord to always increase our faith and our longing for Him so we may glorify Him each and every moment of our lives.